book of Numbers is packed with stories that are so interesting. And each story has layers upon layers upon layers of interpretations and explanations. And one of the most complicating stories of all of them exists in this week's parsha. And it's a story that probably, I would be safe to say, at least a hundred different views and interpretations were given on them. Given on the story. And we'll go straight to the story. The story is, uh, the, the story that seems to be understood as the reason that Moshe did not have the privilege of entering the land of Israel. The story where Moshe hit the rock. There's a song that we sing in Chabad. We sing it on, uh, yeah, Allah Salah Hochach. We sing it by, uh, by Geshem. Question: Why do they sing it? What's the big thing? Oh, oh. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have a, s- s- a little answer for that today. I don't know. Um, Allah So this it's a it's a it's a weird it's almost a weird story, and the, it seems like there's one thing the Maisha did wrong. There's even one interpretation that says that that, uh, that the all the uh, the commentaries. Turned Moshe's one mistake into thirteen different mistakes. One of the people say, like, like, uh, thir- <laughs> um, but let's read the psukim inside. Let's uh, go through the basic story, and then we'll try to discuss something practical. As every part of story, every story in Torah has something practical, and just something fascinating before we even go into the story to bring out how practical it must be. That last week's parsha and the parsha before discuss. Different stories and episodes that happened within the first two years of the Jewish people in the desert. Okay? Pasha Shukas jumps with this story to the 40th year. The last year of the Jewish people in the desert. What happened in between? We don't know a lot of what happened in between. You can imagine if in the first two years how crazy it was, how, how eventful it was with all the Jewish all the different things that happened with the spies and with Kairach, etc. You can imagine what, what took place in the next uh, 30, 38 years. And it's not only here. We see in Avram Avinu's life, for example. Avram lived for 180 years. 170, 75, I forget exactly. Um, and how many, we, we only know stories that, the first story the Torah talks about is Lech Lecha, beginning when Avram was 75. It doesn't talk about anything that happened before that. And we know very little um, from the actual Torah. And just, I'm mentioning it because these things itself indicate to us that God, when He gave us the Torah, was very specific on which stories He wanted to include because the Torah is not a storybook. If it was a storybook in history, He did a pretty bad job <laughs> because it's not a real depiction of the history of what really happened. You know, very, it's very few stories. Exactly. Adam lived for almost a millennia. And how much do we see? One story of Adam that he ate from the tree and... So obviously every part of Torah is there because it's not just a, it's not a history it's not a book of commandments it's a book of a practical guidance to, to every every moment of our life so let's try to take a practical layer and a practical take on the story here source one so the Jewish people complain they don't have water and you can imagine what it's like not to have water in the desert it was after Miriam passed away when Miriam passed away the stone which produced the water no longer stopped producing it because it was Bishchus Miriam in the merit of Miriam. So they, they complained. And they, um, you would think after 40 years they, they would stop complaining, but they're still complaining in the 40th year. So Hashem 
So Hashem told. Uh, I know. They say that the, that joke that the the waiter comes to the Jewish uh, family sitting by the table and doesn't and, and asks, "Is anything good?" <laughs> so um, source one. Kacha samata, take the staff. The hakil is and gather the people. and speak to the rock. in front of them. and the rock will give water. Very simple. Seems to be pretty basic and simple what God tells them to do. You will cause water to come out. And it will um, give them their water that they so desperately need. Moshe took the staff from in front of Hashem as Hashem commanded him. Interesting explanations there. Some people say it was the same staff of last week's parsha of Aaron. Okay. So Moshe gathered everyone to the rock. Told them, Listen up, you rebellious bunch. You think from this rock I could bring water for you? It's a very interesting term. Some people say this in itself was Moshe's uh, mistake, so to speak, in the way he referred to the Jewish people. Moshe raised his hand, and he hit the rock with the staff twice. And then a gush of water came out. And gave them to drink. So Hashem now turned to Moshe and Aaron and he said, Because you didn't believe me, you didn't trust me. To sanctify my name in front of the eyes of the Jewish people. Therefore, You will not be the ones to bring the people into the land that I promised. These are the waters of, uh, of rebellious, the waters of Meriva, of quarrel. That the Jewish people fought about um, Hashem, and Hashem was sanctified through these waters. So, very interesting story. And you see the basic details where Hashem told him, take a stick, which I don't know if we'll be able to get into the detail of the stick today. It's a whole topic because it's interesting. Hashem, Rashi, the most basic commentary, explains what was the mistake here. Hashem told him to speak to the rock, and he hit the rock. Hashem told him to speak, and he hit it. And Rashi explains that the whole story, what happened was, that Moshe um, thought he was speaking to the right rock, he was speaking to the wrong rock. When, he, uh, when it wasn't working, so he started, going to the, he started hitting. And he, he reached the right rock and hit it, but he was, he, he was supposed to speak to it, but that's how the events took place. Hashem didn't understand the frustration that he maybe went through. Very, there's so many questions here, so many unanswered questions. But the, the most, right here is a question about why did Hashem tell him to take the staff if you wanted him to speak? Isn't that misleading? Yeah, he left them space to make them the mistake, so to speak. Why does Hashem give you a test that they're meant to fail? That are meant to fail. No, you're meant to fail. We're all good. So um, let's 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 go let's go um, a, a step deeper into the story, and because there's so many questions, what did Moshe do wrong here? First of all, second of all, not only what did Moshe do wrong, but what are the uh, um, why is this the reason that Moshe didn't enter the land of Israel? Some people say that it was really other things, and this was like the tipping the scale. But there's obviously something lying beneath the story here, which indicates why Moshe did not go into the land of Israel.
And I want to parallel. That's, that's what some people explain. It was, this was the excuse. Was it was but uh, we needed to show that even Moshe is not godly. And he had to take something away from him. So in Israel, the preceding generations, does he hate? Even Moshe was treated a certain way. He wasn't perfect. It is. No, a lot of people say that's something unique about our Bible. Where the, the figure is not the perfect, most perfect person. Okay, so let's parallel this with another story that took place many years before this. Okay, it's a story that's related in Parsons Bashala, almost identical to this story. And I want. To, to, to analyze the difference between the two episodes. Because it's literally almost identical. Which almost may explain Moshe's behavior here. There's precedence to this, uh, to this experience of hitting the rock. This is not the first time it happened. I forgot the... I, I didn't catch the error. We didn't, dis- we didn't go... We're, we're trying to okay. develop that right now. Okay, source two. Okay, this is a story where again, the Jewish people were in the desert... They just left the land of Israel much earlier, about 38, 48 years earlier, and they didn't have water. They were thirsty. Source two, Pashas B'Shalach, Vayim HaShem HaMoysha, Avar Lifnei Ha'am, pass in front of the people, V'kach Yitcha Mizik take with you from the elders, Umatcha and your staff, Asher Yikisa Bo which you hit the Nile River with, right, to make blood, etc. Kach B'Yadcha, take that with you in your hand, V'Alachta, and go. Who's saying it to? Moshe didn't do it. Hashem's telling us to Moshe. Moshe didn't hit it. No, I don't hit the right. Told, yeah. I will be standing by you there by this rock. The Yikisabatur, hit the rock. Water will come out, and they will give the people water. Does anyone see the paradox here? We have two conflicting stories, almost a stira within the title. A few parshas earlier, many, many years earlier. Almost an identical story. The Jewish people needed water. Hashem told Moshe, take the stick and hit the rock. He didn't tell him to speak to the rock. He told him to hit the rock. And Moshe did it and they had water. So 40 years later, when this episode repeats itself, I need water, Moshe remembers that this is what happened. Obviously, Moshe is going to go and do exactly what he did. He didn't hit the water. He hit the water. No, not the water. Hit the rock. 40 years later. Yeah, hit the rock. The water was something else. It's a different story. That's he threw the stick into the water, to the bitter water. No, this is a, a different. This is hitting the rock. The keys about Torah, hitting the rock. This happened forty. This happened in the earlier years of the Jewish people in the desert, and it almost it's identical to the story. But for some reason over here, God instructed him to hit the rock. But in our story, God instructed him to speak to the rock. Amish's mistake was that he hit the rock. So what, what's going on? Here? What changed from forty years earlier to now? Does it describe how he hit the rock? Was that of anger? Or was it because he thought he was supposed to hit the rock? First or second time? He thought he was Double supposed to. Double the first or second time. That's a good question. But yeah, but first or second time. So, so let's analyze the difference between okay. these two stories. And the difference between these two stories can be found in one word. Can anyone pay attention to a basic difference between the two stories? Yeah, source one and source two. And the Hebrew words. I'm trying to see... Yeah, very good. I'm trying to see if in the English they even make the, di- the distinction. The ladies are trying it till this day. In English, they don't. They don't make the distinction in the English. So, I, so in, the story, in, the, in the story 40 years earlier, the Torah refers to the rock with the word sur. 
40 years later, the Torah refers to the rock with the word Selah. Selah. And there are Shur versus Selah. Okay? Two different words in Hebrew which refer to a rock. In English, they translate it exactly the same here. And, but there's a huge difference between the tzur and the selah. One is a rock and one is a Okay. So I was, uh, I spent some time in, in um, Arizona, Utah, where they have all these rock formations. And over there, they explain how they call it over millions of years, um, how, how the water um, came in contact with the stone. And there's different stone that responds differently to water. And some stone, the water rips it away and makes these beautiful rock formations that exist. But there's different types of rock. There's the limestone, I forget all the names, they're telling me all these different types of rock. There's so many different types of rock that you have to be a real maven um, to understand. And they explain, they can show you the line. I remember one place they were showing me in the lines of the rocks. But you see that line there, that's till there it's called one rock. From there on it's called a different rock. All the different effects that the water has on it. Um, but there's different, very generally, there's two different types of rock, and you could even see it in the Hebrew word. The word selah, um, if you would take each of the letters, samach, lamed, ayin, and spell out the word, spell out the letter, because each letter, samach, right, is a letter, which is samach, that's one letter, we know how the samach looks, like a circle, but if you spell out the letter samach, sin, uh, is samach, mem, chaf, and the same thing with lamed, would be lamed, mem, dalet. And the same thing with ayin would be ayin yud nun. If you take the middle letter of each of them, what do you have? Samach, lamid, ayin. If you take the middle letter of each of them, it's, it's mem, mem, and yud, mayin. So within the sela lies water. And that's the, let's discuss that for a second. There's a huge difference between the sela and the tzor. Well, they would like to know that. This is the biggest drought of 20 years right now. Utah and Nevada. The water on the rock, yeah. <laughs> so um, it does. Rocks absorb water to some extent. Different types of rocks. It depends. So sela and mayim, sela and mayim, uh, sela and sur are two different types of rocks. A sur is a solid rock that's solid from the outside to the inside. So to speak, no water absorbed inside of it. Solid, solid rock. Sela is a type of rock which has moist on the inside. That if you were able to peel away the outside and really soak out what's inside, if it's possible, the, um, you would, there's moist on the inside. That's the difference between Selah and the Tzor. And I'm going to make this very uh, uh, brief. It's a huge discussion. But this is the difference between the Jewish people in the beginning of the 40 years in the desert and the end of the 40 years. In the beginning, when they left Egypt, when the Jewish people left Egypt, they were a people that were slaves. Refugees. There were people, I mean, we all know. We all know the stories of the experience of the generation after the Holocaust. It's very easy for us to have a parallel to the Jewish people leaving Egypt. Because we, we know how the, the, the feelings, it's, we say it's very easy to take, sla- to take a person out of slavery, but it's very difficult to take slavery out of the person. These people live their lives, some of them, thinking that a Gestapo or a Nazi is going to come on the door any moment, right? It's very, it's, it's very um, difficult to imagine what goes through these people's minds. Some of them lock it out of their mind. Some of them have these moments where, they, where, they, where it comes back to them. And it's very, it's, it's, it's traumatic and it's, it's hard to relate to. Um, but this, this was the generation of the Jewish people that left Egypt. They were tortured. They suffered in the land of Egypt for so many years. And they had the mentality of slaves. 
And having the mentality of slaves coming out into the desert, their leader, Moshe, knew needed to, needed to relate to his nation. He needed to know his people. It's very difficult to deal with such people. You can imagine why they react. All the stories, in some sense, can make a little sense if you think about it from in this perspective. That they were very troubled people. They came from a very difficult background. And Moshe, being a loyal leader, a faithful shepherd, Moshe was knew his people in and out. He knew every need of theirs. He knew every. He knew their psyche. And he, he was one with them. He was literally one with his people. And being one with his people, you need to know how to respond and how to react and relate to your people that you're dealing with. The Jewish people, when they left Egypt, they were somewhat of a tour. And like the story, indicated in the story, when in the first episode of Hitting the Rock, they were somewhat of a tour. They, were, they, they didn't have moist on the inside. They were, they were growing, they were supposed to grow through the process of being in the desert until they entered the land of Israel. That generation didn't really make it, it didn't make it into the land of Israel. They remained in the desert. Moshe was dealing with those people. And the way to react to such people is, is you need to talk to, you need to talk their language. Right? Someone that comes from the mentality of being a slave, he's used to not being able to make his choices, not being able to, he's used, used to being told what to do. And Moshe dealt with them in such a way, giving them instructions, directing them, being their personal leader, giving, literally taking them by their hand through every step of what they needed to do in the desert. Um, and Moshe, being their, their leader, he dealt with them as a tour. And God wanted that in the beginning. God said, You hit the rock. Hitting, hitting doesn't necessarily mean um, literally with a stick. Hitting can mean also verb with the, with the words you use and the way you speak. Right, we all know the two different ways that you can speak to a child. You can, so to speak, coerce him. You can force him to do something with, by telling him you must do it. Or you can sit down and explain to him why he must do it and get the child to realize on their own that this is what they must do. Not every child is a, is a receptacle for that. A two-year-old child that runs into the street, right? You can't go and start explaining to him it's not safe. Please come. I'm not going to touch you, but, uh, but step, please step back on the sidewalk. No, you grab him by the arm and put him on the sidewalk because that's all the kid understands. The kid understands, oh, you mean, yeah, I can't go on the street, and you won't do it next time. There's, depending on where the person's holding and their growth, you need to speak to them in that way. Yes, of course, the ideal and the ultimate is to be able to get the person to do it on their own. But not everyone's ready for that. The Jewish people, when they left Egypt, they definitely weren't ready for that. And therefore, Moshe, just to give another parallel, Moshe, when he, um, the first story we know of him in the Torah, is where he, where he hit... The, where he killed the Egyptian that was fighting with the Jew. How did he kill him? He says he, he hit him, which means he physically beat him. But uh, there Rashi brings and the Mepharshim explained that it was with his words. He used one of the names of God to kill him. So hitting, we see, can, some, can, can mean verbiage, can mean with your words. It's this way how you use your words. So Moshe was accustomed to this way of dealing with the Jewish people. And Moshe hitting them was accustomed to dealing with them in that type of, using that type of verbiage, using that type of, uh, of way of conveying messages to them and giving them instructions, because that's what they related to. That's what they, they needed. Forty years later, when the Jewish people were ready to enter the land of Israel, it was a different generation. It was a different generation. These were the children of the survivors, so to speak. It was the next generation. Most of the previous generation remained in the desert. And Moshe now needed to, so to speak, adapt to a new people. And it wasn't so much as a punishment 
It was more, it can be understood more as a consequence. And this, is, this can be understood with another famous medrash, the famous explanation that many of us are here of why Moshe stayed in the desert, that he needed to stay with his generation. It's about a king that says to a shepherd, I forget exactly where the medrash is, that says, asks him where his sheep are. And he says, oh, the sheep, I left them behind. It doesn't look good on the shepherd to leave the sheep behind. Hashem told Moshe that you're going to have to stay with your people in the desert. And Yeshua will take the new generation into the land of Israel. And eventually, you're going to come back with your generation from the desert and, and bring them into the land of Israel. And that's the way it is. Every generation has a new leader. Because the leader is one with his generation. And the leader being one with his generation knows how to relate to them. Knows their, knows their ins and outs. Literally knows what they, what they need to hear and how they need to hear it. So yes, the generation of, that came out of, out of Egypt, they were a tour. And they needed to be spoken to as a tour. The generation going into the land of Israel, 40 years later, were a cellar. That within them, there's water. And a very interesting detail, it says, Moshe hit the rock twice. Someone that's a cellar, someone that has inside of them water, someone that, that, need, that, that is able to, to, so to speak, do things on his own, and you just need to help him get to that by explaining, by, by helping, them, helping develop their character, not by forcing them, and not by imposing on them, um, someone that's, that, that doesn't need that, that's not his way of language, it's not his language. When you use force and you use coercion to get him to do something, it, it doesn't work as well. Moshe, the first time he hit the rock, it didn't work. He had to do it a second time. And you, it, it's beautiful words. I mean, it sounds like something like, uh, where did I get that from? It's right here. You see it in the, the Akutramayani and the Kliyakar. Beautiful uh, um, explanations. The Kliyakar is based on the Akutramayani. Shemayin is not, not so clear, but um, uh, I'll just read it inside because it's beautiful words and it's so powerful, especially it's so relevant today to our generation. I'll just finish with that, then we'll read it inside. Because our generation is, is, we're the next generation after the survivors that went through crazy times. And today, more than ever, the, it's, it's become, the, the society has become where you can't, you can't force your children, you have to explain to them, you have to speak to them. And it's, it's 100% true. It's very true. That's the type of people we are. We're new people that have inside of us, have deep inside of us water. We're a cellar, we're not a tour. And because of that, our generation, the, 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 our kids, um, and even us growing up that experienced the, the in-between, um, need, need this type of, um, this type of, need to be dealt with in this way. We're things, we need things explained. We need to explain to our children. We can't force them into things. Everything needs to be their choice. Give them the choice. Of course, of course, you can't let them do whatever they want. Of course, the two-year-old child that's running in the street, you need to grab him by the arm and put him on the sidewalk. Of course, we have those moments. And even ourselves, we know ourselves, that sometimes we, we relate more to being like a tzur, and sometimes we relate more to being like a selah. Sometimes, even in our, in our Jewish practice, or even in our in growth in life and maturity, sometimes we need to tell ourselves, do it. Do it, even though you don't feel like doing it, even though you don't relate it, you don't, you don't feel excited about it, just do it. That's like speaking to the tour. Hitting the rock. Sometimes, we have to speak to the rock. We have to speak to the rock. We have to speak to ourselves. We have to learn. We have to motivate ourselves. We have to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And, and really appreciate it and to be able to bring out the water which is inside the cellar, the mayim that's in the cellar. So, um, and both are necessary depending on which stage in life and even in every stage in life depending on which moment. But we have to realize that we are, that we are a cellar as well. That we have that mayim inside of us, that we don't, that coercion and force and imposing is not the solution. It may be a beginning, it may be a start, but it has to lead, hitting the rock has to lead to speaking to the rock.
So then explaining to the rock and bringing out the water that lies beneath it by, by, going, bring, by really helping it, allowing it to come out. And by the way, beautiful words, you can find this in so many words in the story. Just one example, where Hashem told Moshe to speak to the rock, and this is, Its water will come out. We'll give, not like you're going to bring it out. It'll happen on its own. By you speaking to the rock, you're going to help the rock itself give out its own water. And it's the same here when you help and you teach, when you teach in such a way, you help the person shine on their own, not by your force, not by your, your, you imposing on them. So let's read this Yalkut Shemayni, where he says, It doesn't say to hit. What Hashem told is as follows. When the child is young, the teacher hits him. When he grows up, he does it no longer through hitting, but through speech. Similarly, Hashem said to Moshe, When the rock was small, you hit it. But now, where they grew after so many years in the desert, speak to the rock. What does it mean to speak to the rock? Teach it a parak, teach it some, teach it some Torah. And the water will come out. And the Kiyakar building on this, he explains, he elaborates on the more source for. For Heralanu Akadish Baruch, when Hashem showed us, Afapish Endav is a Shaykh Vesela, this whole idea of speaking, Mikomakim Laman Her Oisoi, Huva and Yanamalalo. Hashem is showing us as follows. She'ain Nochin Lahakis Beshevet, Kim Lenar, Ubar, that it's only right to hit with a rod a young child that doesn't understand speech. Avakashayagdil, but when the child grows up, Tachas Gara Bemaven. You have to speak to them. You have to help them understand. Um, that if you're going to do it through hitting, then if and the child's not not receiving, not re- responding to that, then while you're hitting, the child may listen. But as soon as you take away the stick, the child's going to go back to his old ways. And we see he brings this point. Like we see here, when Moshe needed to hit the rock twice. The rock didn't listen to the first time. Anything that's done by hitting, by force, doesn't happen quickly. Because it's not, it's not the language that the person needs to hear. So it's a beautiful message. I think it's very powerful. And it's an interesting take on the story where it's not understood as much as a punishment. More as Moshe was one with his people. And he related to his people in that way. The new generation needed a new leader to lead them. Amisha was one, stayed with his nation in the desert, and will eventually bring the one, be the one to bring them out. Um, so I think it's very relevant, very practical, and we can relate both to ourselves and to our children. And uh, we should take the messages, the timeless messages from the Torah, and apply them to our lives and to our children. Everyone have a wonderful day.